This is SAFM leading the late night conversation. My name is Patricia Ndouli. Let's get into our educational and social conversation. We are talking about returning back to school and the anxiety this can cause for learners, parents and educators. To talk to us about this, we are going to be joined by clinical psychologist Yasmin Kovaji. Thank you very much, Yasmin, for joining us this evening. Me. Thank you for joining us, Yasmin. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Excellent, thank you. I'd like to remind our listeners that you can join in on the conversation as we talk anxiety for learners on our WhatsApp number, which is 0614104107, or you can call us on 0891104207. SMSs go to 41391. Yasmin, we are talking about the anxiety that uh, students or learners can potentially face as schools reopen. We know that uh, it's been a couple of months that students have been home, so the holidays for the Easter's were <laughs> overextended, and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we are saying back to school. Yes, it's currently only for grade 7 and grade 12 learners, but uh, very soon we'll be seeing the opening of other grades. And uh, I'd like us to talk about what are some of the the anxieties that we can expect for learners uh, to experience? So partly what we've been seeing is, you know, with the older learners, it's about terms of workload, how they're going to catch up. They're not sure what to expect when they go back in terms of workload. You know, some of them are quite worried about do we go back and we're going to write tests immediately um, others are concerned about how much of work is actually going to be given to them um, we also find um, worries in terms of how are they going to socialize how are they going to be with their friends um, there's further anxieties about how to maintain the safety behaviors for example wearing the mask for long periods of time they worry they're not going to have lunch breaks they're not allowed to go outside for those lunch breaks. Um, You know, the younger kids are also showing anxiety in terms of actually going back and having to be in large groups. So the children that are going back are showing anxieties in terms of uncertainty, in terms of what to expect and how to actually adapt to the new environment. My goodness, I think one of the things that uh, I, as a person who's not a current learner, Mm -hmm. um, especially in a primary school and high school level, was uh, the fact that the workload could be an anxiety for students. But I understand how this could be definitely one of the biggest issues for grade 12 learners um, as they want to round off the the academic Mm -hmm. year. Now, how do we then as parents assist our children with these anxieties? And let's break it down because I'm sure the anxiety for workload um, and the anxiety for not being able to interact properly with your friends during break or not having break are two separate anxieties. Yeah, you know, the anxiety itself is triggered by different factors. And I think the overarching um, way to deal with it is one, acknowledge for your child um, that it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but also offer a a safe space for them to come and talk to you in terms of what's going through their mind, any questions they may have, and actually how they're feeling about uh, going back. Because sometimes what they feel is that they're so worried about certain things, but they're too scared to talk about it. And what happens is with children, they start answering their own questions own anxieties and sometimes with the worst case scenario. So what parents need to do is actually talk 
to their children about what they may be thinking, about what they may be scared of, or even if the child has gone to school, when they come back to ask them what was hard, what was easy, you know, to talk them through it and to let them know it is hard, it is a stage of um adjustment as well so they can talk about different things you know because once we find out what they worried about then you can ad- address each anxiety or each stressor of that anxiety now you know yasmin you speak about the fact that um you know we, we need to speak to our children but this anxiety obviously even if i speak to a child who is a bit of a slower learner in class mm. and they've got the anxiety that the workload that they're going to receive they might not be able to cope in the short span of time that is mm. left in the ca- academic yeah, speaking to my child might not be able to calm them down. What what other measures can I put into place to ensure that a child who's a slow learner or a child who is I don't know I don't I don't want to you know not not the fastest mm-hmm. of learners yeah. in the class yeah. um, mm-hmm. does not feel uncomfortable when they're in a school environment because you can imagine that the teacher will be rushing through certain elements of uh, mm-hmm. the, the the subjects. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's it's going to be a very tough situation to actually be in. Uh, and especially when you're looking at someone that's in their matric year or even in their high school years, you know. So part of it is, one, we've got to reassure the child that the expectation is not for them to do extremely well and to score as, as high as, you know, everyone thinks they should. But actually, the most important thing is for them to try their best. Uh, and that's the most important thing. Two, it's to once again let the child know that it's safe to come and say what they're struggling with, which subject is harder for them, what they're actually struggling to understand. And unfortunately, it is going to be a lot of work, not just on the teacher side, but also the parent side to be patient, to be empathetic, you know, because this is the time where especially crunch time, especially metric, the child may actually need more support, more one-on-one attention in terms of helping to understand certain subjects. And partly everyone has to band together to help that child to do that. But once again, conversation about which subject, what aspect within that subject, just being patient with the child, that actually helps them feel calmer. But if everyone's getting anxious and actually getting upset with the child for not learning as fast as they should, that's when the child's anxiety is going to actually elevate to a significantly high level. We are talking about uh, the anxiety that uh, students might be facing or might potentially face as we they go back to school. And uh, speaking to us about this is clinical psychologist Yasmin Kovaji. You can join in on the conversation by calling us on 0891-104-207. Maybe you are a parent and you are worried about how to deal with your child's anxiety when it comes to them going back to school after such a, an extended period of time being at home. You can also WhatsApp us on 0614-104-107. Perhaps you've got a child who's already started school. Today is Tuesday and uh, you can tell that the child who's in grade 12 or grade 7 is very tense, very anxious. Here's a, a psychologist. You can call and ask your questions. The SMS line is 41391. Now, Yasmin, let's talk about the current pandemic. As parents, should we continuously be talking to our children about COVID-19 and what are the best ways for us to talk about them, uh, to talk to them about the pandemic without necessarily bringing them to a point where they are tired of hearing about it or making them more anxious um, as opposed to us uh, calming them down? 
Well, I think every child is going to be different. So parents, you know, have to have that conversation with their child in terms of at the level of the what the child understands. So is it important to continue talking to your child? Yeah, because every environment is changing in terms of the child was safe at home, not going out. Now they're going out. They're socializing with friends, teachers, the public, you know. So each step of the way, it is important to actually have that conversation with the child. Obviously, as parents, we need to also look for the nonverbal signs, you know, where if you're starting to talk and the child is looking around and getting frustrated and I don't want to talk about this, then actually let your child guide you. Don't try and force a conversation if you can see it's frustrating the child as well. So also when you're having that conversation, you know, I think it's about changing certain um, statements to more of the positives. So, for example, rather than um, employing your child to always wash their hands and, you know, to make sure you're safe, rather change it to, like, build up some excitement in terms of we actually taking part in making sure everyone is safer at home, to ensure that we're keeping ourselves safe. So change it more to a positive statement rather than leaving it in a negative stance. It's uh, you know it's very good that we are talking about the role that us as parents play when it comes to our children and not having anxiety as they go back to school. Let us look at the role of the educator because now most of the day the mm-hmm. children are with the educators and we can uh, only imagine how stressed the educator is mm-hmm. and um, everything is new for them right now. There's a new way of working. There's an added lo- workload. How do educators then try to ensure that the anxiety Anxieties that students and learners are facing are not exasperated um, within these circumstances. Well, I think it's for the educators to remember and to be mindful of the type of language and the type of words that they use with the kids as well. Once again, if you're trying to get the kids to um, take safety behaviours by scaring them or by, you know, pointing out the most dangerous situation or the most traumatic situation, all you're doing is increasing the anxiety versus if you put it in a tone of voice and simple language in terms of the importance of how they included in the safety behavior and how they could help each other be safe, that's much more or less anxiety provoking, can we say, and much more supportive in a way. And also parents need to remember, teachers are doing this for the first time. So we also need to be patient and empathetic with them. And parents need to remember if there's anything that they see or they experience that they're unhappy with the teachers about, it's not to actually um, shout and reprimand the teacher, especially in front of that child, because the child takes on then the parent's anxiety and anger as well. So it's also for parent and teacher to both stay calm and both be able to have a conversation with each other because remember, it's going to be a learning curve for parents, teachers, everyone. Mm. So everyone has to be patient with each other. Sure, it is a learning curve, definitely, and a lot of anxiety, I mean, all around currently as we speak about the COVID-19. This is SAFM leading the late-night conversations with me, Patricia Dooley. We are speaking with a clinical psychologist, Yasmin Kovaji, and uh, the topic that we are discussing is the anxiety that children might face and how we can assist them as educators and parents as we go back to school. If you'd like to send us a WhatsApp, the number is 0614 104 107. 
Hi, uh, Patricia. My question is, uh, normally I visit a primary school in my area, so I'm dealing with uh, grade servants. So some of them will be moving to high school, and as we normally had chat, some were planning to go to Cape Town and other provinces. How do you then allay their fears? As a person who yourself, you're not sure this coronavirus, when will it end or will never end? So in terms of dealing with that, because you cannot really say assure them of their future because they might open and close so there are no proper guarantees which you know when you now that you are back you are back for good so that in itself is problematic sure yes definitely a problematic issue there yes i mean how do we then allay the fears of children in that uh, instant so part of it is to remember it's once again it's open honest conversation with the children that this is a new process that everyone's adjusting the environments are adjusting and part of it is what we're trying to create is a new normal um that is safe for everyone and it's to be honest about it that yes we can't you know we're trying to work our best and every day we're trying to make sure each day is as safe and productive for each student but it's to remember that if ever anything changes they'll be communicated with so it's to help to to reassure them that there is a plan in place that if anything happens there will be steps in place to take in terms of you know not shutting down completely or what would be the backup plan if they they can't come to to the school site as is so the matrix you know especially they go through the fears of what does this mean for my future we also you know if we don't have the definite answers and we can say that to say that you know none of us have the answers but all we can do is try our best to get through the year knowing as much as we can to get to that final exam and then obviously as time goes the universities will make different decisions and it's to communicate and get that communication between stakeholders lots of universities are having online open days and discussion with matrix about what to expect year end what to expect next year at the beginning as well so it's for schools to also engage on those platforms with the universities as well but once again it's all about communication well, we know how important communication is, but unfortunately, it's obviously going to be a one-sided when it comes to things like technology being the yes. new normal, because yes. we are aware that in some of our disadvantaged communities, townships, peri-urban areas and rural mm-hmm. areas, there is no access to such uh, communication. Yeah. So it does create even more of an anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can get to a point where students and parents feel quite helpless and hopeless in the situation and all they can do is keep communicating with the school principal or the SGB and it's about voicing you know it would be helpful if if people have possible solutions possible ideas about what can be done because we need to remember that one solution is not going to work for every single school in South Africa because every school's resources and availability is very different so it's about having different strategies for the different schools in terms of what resources they have and that's why it's so important for the school structure to also continue communicating with the parents so they doesn't feel like there's a gap in communication and then 
parents and students don't know what's going on. They don't have answers. And that's when the frustration actually increases as well. We are talking about uh, allaying anxiety and frustrations in children, uh, learners, students, parents and educators. You might be a parent. You might be a, um, an educator or part of a union that represents educators. And you might want to share those frustrations or those anxieties so that our clinical psychologist, Yasmin Kovaji, may be able to assist you. Remember, our number is 011-714-3945 or 011-714-4045. You can also dial 891 or WhatsApp 614 Now, um, Yasmin, in terms of the social distancing, I mean, it's hard for us as adults. I remember mm-hmm. um, I had a passing of one of my family members and all you want to do is hug each other mm-hmm. when someone has passed and you're feeling sad and down and you want to comfort each other. And it's, it's, a, it's human nature that we, when mm-hmm. we are excited, when we are happy, when we are sad, we want to embrace. But with social distancing, we are not able to do this. Now, you mm-hmm. take students, especially the younger students, even grade 12 learners, and you put them in a school setting where they have not seen each other for months. And now you've seen your best friend for the first time uh, in a couple of weeks and... All you want to do is hug them. Mm-hmm. But you know what the rules are. You're not allowed to touch each other. You can't even share your lunch with each other. How mm-hmm. are we then going to assist learners to deal with that anxiety that comes with social distancing? If I, as an adult, am, I'm, I'm really battling with it. You know, and that's the saddest part of it, because as humans, we crave that human touch. That's what gives us comfort. That's what gives us solace. So not being able to do that has been really difficult for a lot of the kids. Um, but the younger kids, you know, what we find is we see them adapting and being so much more flexible. Um, and they adapt better than we actually think. Um, it's, you know, teenagers that the comments I've gotten from my teenagers is, oh, gosh, it was so weird not to run and hug my friend. It's in fact, the worst part of school was not being able to hug and say hello or hug and say goodbye. And part of it is the most we can do is acknowledge that difficulty that they're experiencing. Because remember, anxiety increases when, one, there's no empathy towards it. Two, when we don't acknowledge it and we tell the child, oh, just get over it. Or, don't worry, it'll be fine. That actually increases anxiety. But when we actually say I know it's hard. I know it's hard that you couldn't get to hug your friend. You know, let's look at once again, you know, why are we doing it? Why it's important? And as, and we acknowledge it's frustrating and we know it's hard. That's when actually the anxiety goes down. So, Yasmin, let's talk about how can we, you know, step-by-step approach. How can we assist our learners? Um, I know you've mentioned the fact that we need to communicate. I know you've mentioned the fact that we need to be understanding and empathetic. But how do we make sure both in the school setting and in the home setting and in the commuting in between home Mm -hmm. and school that we are constantly sensitive around anxiety of children and we can spot out when a child is anxious because some other children might say, I'm fine, mommy. But that I'm fine, mommy, might not be right because you can see it in their face and their body language that this child is actually not doing well. Yes, and I think that's a very important point because when it comes to children, they're not going to show anxiety like adults do. So you may not just see your child being worried. 
what you may see, one, refusal to go to school, two, stomach aches, um, you know, they may have body aches all of a sudden, they may feel starting to feel ill, lots of children, you know, go into the stress response of vomiting, um, you know, or they cry or they get angry and agitated and they get moody. So I think it's very important for parents to also understand those um other symptoms of anxiety, it will show very differently in, in children and how they express it. Once you recognize that there's something not okay, one, you've got to acknowledge for your child that you're recognizing something's not okay and you'd like to talk to them about it. You know, um, once again, how you approach it and the tone in which you approach it is going to be really important because if you sound agitated and you're talking loudly, the child is not going to feel safe enough to actually say, yes, I'm not okay. Secondly, when they, if they school refusing, school refusal, once again, is out of fear, out of anxiety, and the only way to reassure that is to understand what the child is actually thinking and what they actually are assuming is going to be the worst case scenario. And once you talk through the process and talk through the process and safety protocols the school has, that fear has the chance to actually limit itself. In school, teachers have to be aware, once again, children may be acting out and that may be a sign of anxiety or fear and not necessarily just behavioral. So teachers also need to be on the lookout. Parents also need to be updated in terms of if their child is someone that's breaking the safety behaviors. It's not to get upset with the child. It's to talk to the child and find out what's going on. Even on the other side, if as a parent you find that other children are breaking the safety protocols, it's not to get angry and explode or throw a tantrum in front of other kids. It's to talk to the school Find out what is the protocol, what is the strategy in place for when a child breaks protocol and how to maintain safety behaviors. So once again, it's everyone being aware and observant of what the child may be displaying to tell you that they're not okay and then addressing that with the child. Now, uh, before we let you go, I'd like us to just go to a voice note. I understand the anxiety that you guys are talking about. It's the anxiety within the schoolyard. But there's also the anxiety before they enter the school, which is my problem. Now, I'd, I had a word with um, one of the, the, the learners. She was actually crying. Um, she, she did not want to go to school. When she was asked why, um, she stated it clearly. She's afraid that she might she might contract the virus. And this conversation, um, it was near the gate. It was near the gate. So it it starts before they even go um, and interact and see teachers and get be taught. It, it starts from home. So along the way, when they're from home to school, that period that period already the anxiety is there 
Now, I understand exactly what the listener is saying. Mm-hmm. And as, as a parent myself, I mean, it, it scares me that um, if you, you find your child, as much as you can talk to them, but you find your child does not want to enter the school grounds when they, when they finally get there and they start yeah. shedding tears because mm-hmm. they, they, we've, we've spoken about COVID-19 and the deaths and the rise of the death uh, rate, uh, the death toll of the COVID-19 continuously so children are aware of this so when you get a child who's at the gate and they are crying how mm-hmm. do you then deal with this Yasmin? well one it's definitely not to force the child and you know physically try and pull the child in two it's about you see the child was saying i'm terrified of possibly can i get this virus it is the most common fear we actually going to face and part of that is education, psychoeducation about the virus. Because if you explain it step by step to the child in terms of, yes, you know, there's always a risk, but these are the things we're putting in place to stay safe. For example, the only way we can contract the virus is eyes, nose, and mouth. And we carry that virus to those parts of our body on our hands. If we sanitize all the time, we won't be infecting our eyes, nose, and mouth. If we have our mask on, we won't get the virus into our mouth. If we have our shield on, it won't go into our eyes. So you help the child link the safety behavior with how the virus is limited from infecting each other. Because the other fear that anyone is going to have is if someone tests positive, I'm terrified that I'm going to get infected. But it's also helping the student and parents also know that if you're wearing your mask and your shield and someone is positive and they were more than one meter away from you, the possibility of being infected is actually very, very low because once again, the virus couldn't get into your eyes, your nose or your mouth. So once again, it's to talk through the safety behaviors, help the child understand the protocols in place and how it limits the um, virus infecting or traveling. Because remember, when we focus on the safety behaviors we have control of, that's when we help the individual become less anxious. Well, you know, I'll, I'm just remembering during the day today when I was uh, sitting with my kids and they were watching um, a cartoon and it was it was a cartoon that was very sad, Yasmin, I must be honest, because the children passed away because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I mean, on YouTube, we have all so much content that is relevant to COVID-19 and it's educational. But you... When those children passed away, these little cartoon character children in little Lego f- figures, I felt... You know, I felt we had to pause and I had to explain to my kids mm. that it is not in every instant that a person will pass away because of COVID. Absolutely. But and, and that's why it's so important to monitor what they're watching because it's false that being infected equals death. And I think that misnomer leads to lots of anxiety. But on the other hand, you must also remember that when they get to school and they're in the playground, we don't know what other kids have been taught. You know, so I think these anxieties are going to be in the back of our minds and our heads. And we thank you so much for giving us some of the tips on how we can effectively allay the anxiety in our children, Yasmin. Thank you so very much. Thank you. SFM leading the late night conversations. We are talking education and social issues. And our main topic today 
is returning back to school and how that could cause anxiety in learners, educators and parents. Let's talk about this. The number that you can join me on is 0891-104-207. You might be a parent, you might be anxious, you might be um, uh, an educator and you might be saying, no, today was my f second day at school and I just, I just can't stand it because of all the things I've seen. Let's talk about it and see how you can get the help from our psychologist. Later on, we're going to be talking to Tlingi Zwane, who is also a clinical psychologist and we'll be looking at the point of view of the parents and the educators late night conversations late night conversations monday to thursday 10 p.m till midnight Leading the late night conversation with me, Patricia Duli on SAFM, we are speaking allaying anxiety and fears in uh, students and parents and educators alike, especially as we go back to school. I'd like to welcome all of you to join us in the conversation. Perhaps you're a parent and you're worried. Um, how are you going to keep your child and your own anxiety at bay as we go back to school or an educator? And uh, there's a couple of issues that you might have around your workload as an educator and also managing students well call us on 0891 allow our psychologists to assist you and to put things into perspective because i'm sure there are ways of psychologically going around the, the the anxiety that we might be facing or you can whatsapp us on 0614-104-107 sms41391 on social media platforms we are at sfm radio or at patricia Tlingiwezwane is a clinical psychologist and she's joining us right now. Thank you very much, Mangeta, for joining us. Yes, I like my surname. Thank <laughs> you, Patricia. <laughs> Ooh, I like your surname too because it's uh, part of my family clan, yeah? Yeah. Uh, nice. So, we are talking about anxieties here, mm. and I'd like us to look at the anxieties that educators might be facing right now as we are back to school for grade 12 and grade 7 learners, and possibly uh, for more learners as time goes on. Um, mm. Workload anxiety, managing students' anxiety, the new normal of running things, the shortened mm. uh, academic year. I mean, that on its own, if I was an educator, would make me want to just hide under my blankets uh, day in and day out and not come out. Yes, yes. So, I mean, I heard of someone saying that it was just me that was speaking now that she covered regarding anxiety as well. Well, we were, we were looking at trends specifically, yes. so I'd like you to just look at the educators right now. Educators. So, um, anxiety, I need to also understand, Patricia, that it's normal response that anyone can go through, be it a teacher, be it a student, the lessons, or the parents. So, specifically, on the educators, we need to understand that they are also before the educators, they are also just human beings of Africa. And as they walk into the school, being expected to take care of others, they also have to take care of themselves. So sometimes there's a part where we think about anxiety as it can be based on somebody having something like performance anxiety. So when they have to go back to work, there is a the part where now they're expected to perform and 
I mean, they've not been at school for a very long time. So in that, the anxiety is not only just about the corona, but it's about now within this environment that I'm going back to, I need to perform. So there's internal pressure that can actually become from each educator at the moment protect themselves, but also to perform based on the fact that they haven't been performing for a long time. But part of things that I think was covered in the show was the the realistic or psychoeducation about the corona will allow the anxiety to be a little bit more minimal. Because the more we know about what we're dealing with, the more we can handle it. So I'd like to explain it a little bit based on the biological and the psychological understanding of it. So biologically, you can understand the virus. You can understand what it does. Psychologically, you can understand the impact that it can have on you as an educator and on your children. However, now the issue becomes now when you have to now go in because you need money to be paid your salary, but your health must be taken into account. How do you empower yourself in a space where you are feeling powerless by something that intruded in our world? So in educating ourselves, we now allow ourselves to go back there knowing that we can control each variable or each factor one at a time. The school as a separate thing, the children as a separate thing, me as a teacher or an educator as a separate thing, and what does that mean or how does that look like? Biologically, understanding that the mask and sanitizers will be there, it's, it's one. Understanding how it's transmitted and how I can prevent it allows the person to feel a little bit of control. Like, because part of it is feeling out of control that comes with this pandemic. So we're kind of trying to get bits and pieces of control. So if I can psychologically now control how anxiety presents, if I'm mindful of my body and I see that, you know what, something is happening, I'm having my heart palpitating, I'm having moments where when I wake up in the night, I can't sleep, some insomnia the day before school, you're already aware there's some anxiety. So let's zoom in to say, what are you anxious about? Content again. So that we can control those things that are triggering those anxiety moments in it. Some of the anxiety uh, that uh, educators uh, might be facing are the anxiety of uh, not knowing whether or not uh, they have inadequate, uh, adequate safety measures in place in the school uh, setting. I'd, I'd, yes. I'd like us to talk about the practicalities of allaying anxiety when you are not aware if you've got enough PPE, if the students that you're going to be facing are infected with COVID or not. And and also the fact that today there was a report that one of the schools in Chatsworth, an educator, mm. was tested positive for the COVID-19 and the school had to close mm. because of this. So if I'm an educator and I have to wake up yeah. tomorrow to go to school and one of my colleagues, you know, um, mm. was tested positive for COVID-19, how do I then allay this anxiety? Because it is a factual anxiety, but yes, there yes. is no one I can go to and say, fix this for me. So, so. It's it's a very real issue when it comes to the reality of anxiety. It's not that anxiety is always because there's a false thought you're having or a belief that you're having. It may be real. Like if I'm anxious about going to school, like you're saying, where there's already an educator that has contracted the illness, you need to now find out what is the school's rule now, what are the policies, what are the things that can be done to protect me as an educator. So even though 
we may say that some of this, the physical experiences of it, there's the information that we need from our teachers, I mean, from our headmasters, from the policies that are created to say, this is how teachers are protected or are going to be protected. And I don't think it's unrealistic. But now, this is what I was earlier on talking about, Patricia, when I said control each variable. So you're able to say, now, when it comes to personal protection equipment, how is my school positioned? And you are right. You have to know that. Because then you are having that right to say that because our schools don't have the right measures in place, perhaps now we need to understand that it's my human right to not come to school or to not be in a position where I can put myself in harm's way. Or these are my recommendations of how we can progress and make sure that our school is fully equipped to do that. Let's uh, take a caller. We've got uh, Tobega in Durban. Tobega, thank you very much for holding. How are you this evening? I'm okay, Patricia. How are you? Excellent, thank you. I'm fine. Hello to your guests. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Patricia, <laughs> mine is... Um, okay, I do... Okay, I won't talk about the visual impairments or whatnot, but now my son is in grade two, right? Mm-hmm. And I live at home with my mother, and um, before the lockdown, my um, cousin's kids came over. Just before the lockdown, they like also around seven and whatnot. So there's like four kids in the house. Mm. And um, my mother works for correctional services, and she also teaches there, like the inmates, right? Now, obviously, I understand her anxiety um, because we've like heard the numbers in the prisons around the country, but with so she is there weren't like any like serious cases or anything like that. But now I I, I think where now can she draw the line between or even us in the house between like being too anxious or like fear like instilling fear in the kids because uh, <laughs> weird things have been happening. Like I'll tell you yesterday I like got an awkward smell in my room only because I'm visually impaired, I can't see. Only to find that my mother had chopped um red onion and put it on the floor. Mm. So I asked her, what is this? And she says, no. I heard that it, um, it, it, it what presents viruses in the air. It clears viruses in the air. Right. Mm. And then the kids, every day, when she, comes, when she leaves in the morning, she wakes them up. They must steam with, I don't know what she put, but now they use, she makes them steam in the same bucket, all of them. I don't know what she makes them steam with, and I refuse to wake up. And they wear a mask in the house the whole day. They drink, I don't know how many vitamin tablets. Tobega, I'd like I'd like to hold you to hold the line for us, all right? Um, Because it seems like there's this very juicy story here, so that we can get assistance. (laughs) SAFM leading the late night conversation. Late night conversations. Late night conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. conversations on SAFM. My name is Patricia Nduli. We are speaking about dealing with anxiety during this COVID-19 period and especially when learners are going back to school, uh, teachers, educators, 
students and parents have anxieties and that's what we're dealing with right now. Clinical psychologist Tlingi Rezwana is joining us and before we went on the break, Tobega in Durban was explaining her situation to us. Now Tobega, you got me a bit worried there. I had to like try to think. Is Tobega <laughs> laughing or is Tobega yeah, crying? Yeah. Because Tobega, this onion, red onion cutting story and steaming and face yes. masks in the house. Got yes. me a bit, uh, were you crying, Tobega? Or were you no, laughing? I was laughing. Are you laughing because you think your mom is overreacting? She's and overreacting. Do you understand that the kids are like, yeah. they smell, their, their breast now smells of garlic because she makes them literally chew like half a clove each. And the thing burns them. <laughs> In the morning, so now the kids in the stand, like by the window, they look at, ooh, and you see like other people, other cars, like traffic outside, ooh, they're gonna get corona. The kids are so traumatized. Like everywhere they go, one has sanitizer in the pockets, they wear face masks in the house, they even sleep in the face mask. Yes, so now check what is, does a kid have a face mask, you have to take it off for them. And they wake up in the morning with no face mask, they freak out. Mm. So yeah. now I, I I understand my mom because like even them at work they said they sanitize their feet everywhere, but now she brings work to the house. Sure, mm. yeah. Um, uh, Tomega, thank you for sharing your story. And yes, we did <laughs> chuckle a bit. Uh, even in 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 Zulu, there's a saying that, uh, and I'll translate it loosely: we laugh even when there's a death. So thank you for allowing us to laugh at this very serious issue, Tobega. Listen on the line. Thank you. It seems that, you know, in Tobega's case, Mm. the the mother, because she's an educator and she interacts with a lot of the inmates who Mm. could potentially be a high risk for her to contract uh, COVID-19. And when she comes home, she wants to implement stringent rules and regulations to ensure that no one contracts COVID-19. But now it seems like it's creating heightened anxiety in the children and stress and, you know, uncomfortableness, waking kids up early in the morning so they can eat garlic cloves and chew them and onions on the floor and steaming and, you know, all these things. It's, according yeah. to Tobaga, it seems like it's heightened. Is this normal? I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's her way of making meaning of it and regaining control of some sort. So, like I said, that part of anxiety, it makes a person feel out of control. Um, and it also makes a person feel powerless. So, some people then shift into spirituality. Some people shift into science to find answers. Because it's a very unfamiliar territory and we are all uncertain of what does this thing look like in terms of as it goes on and discovering of new symptoms. She's trying to make sense of a situation that we are all trying to make sense in her own way. But the thing is, we must be careful as well as parents or as educators not to project our anxiety to the children. So projecting additional anxiety by not necessarily um, explaining things, it just heightens it. And also depending on how old the children are, Patricia, they may it as a scary thing, the whole experience as well. So she needs to be very attuned and mindful of of how is every child responding to it. And if it's something scientific and her beliefs is allowing that, if it's doing less harm, why not? 
but not, not doing harm. But anyway, you know, Tobega mentioned the fact that the kids would even stand by the window, and uh, these are seven-year-olds, four seven-year-olds standing by the window, and every time they see a car drive past, they're like, ooh, that one's going to get coronavirus, that one is getting coronavirus. <laughs> and it seems like, you know, the mother's anxiety have trickled down to becoming mm. extra anxiety in the churn. Mm. I think, I mean, it, it's it's... It's important that in cases like that, we are very mindful of our children and how each child thinks and how each child responds to this kind of kind of things. Because if they're standing by the window, is it a joke thing or is it fear? What emotion are you picking up when they're standing up by the window looking at cars? Is it a joke where they're just excited that we are protected? They are not protected. So they are calm. Or is it a matter of there's so much fear even in that? Because then now we need to minimize that by going back again to psychoeducate the children based on things that we know that this is not going to happen. They're not going to get anxiety like corona because they also are protecting themselves. But what is important is for you to control your own environment. So if mom is now projecting her anxiety, perhaps this is something that Tobega and mom must sit and talk about to say, how are we going to handle anxiety in our hearts? Because if one person is bringing um, onions, another one is going to be bringing pepper, Another one is, so we're all going to have all these things because we're trying to make sense of it. But without taking into account that we have children that are also very, very aware of all this and it can make it worse for them. Now, let's, uh, as we are about to wrap up, if I've got anxiety as Mm -hmm. an educator or as a parent, how do Mm -hmm. I ensure that I keep my own anxiety in check while I still assist my children? How do I make sure that I don't overreact? I mean, when it comes to things like multivitamins, I, I give my children multivitamins. Mm. Um, when it comes to, you know, the, the giving them a bit of ginger every now and then, I do it. But I, I, I don't know whether or not it would be correct of me to make sure that a child even wears a face mask inside the house and sleeps with it because it seems mm. over the mm. top. It seems OTT. But how do yeah. I keep my anxiety at bay? So, so the first thing you, you need to identify how does your anxiety present? So are you having physical symptoms? Are you having beliefs or thoughts that you are thinking about the situation? So most of the time, like for example, there's a, a, an approach where we, we say it's highly effective for dealing with anxiety, which is called cognitive behavioral therapy. So the focus becomes on it's because of the beliefs you have that you are experiencing the feelings you have. So if your beliefs are that a mask is going to protect you and you have learned and it's true, then you are not going to feel as anxious. But if you are thinking that a multivitamin is not going to do any good for you and yet you don't have other ways to resolve what it is, you are feeling more vulnerable because now your beliefs are now that it's not going to help. Anything I try, I'm just doomed to die. So the future already looks negative to you. So we then work on your beliefs to say that for you, Patricia, what are the things that you are thinking? What is your belief around corona? What is your view about protecting yourself from corona? What are the things that can trigger you? So, for example, if you watch news just before you go to work and you're seeing the numbers of people that have died, you've already triggered something in you. So your thought process are going to start being around fear of death 
fear of all of that. So perhaps maybe before you go to work, TV is not something that you should watch. The news you must not watch them at the background all the time because those are your triggers. So allowing yourself to be mindful of your body and your mind will allow you to control the anxiety better. And correcting the myths or the beliefs that are distorted or negative and not based on truth will allow you to feel much more positive emotions instead of more being anxious and fearful. So if, for example, you already have a predisposing factor where you did have anxiety before that, Patricia, this is an example, you are already heightened by your own previous history of anxiety that the arrival of corona can exacerbate something that was already there. Mm. So it may mean that in your case, you need professional help or you need therapy and you need medication to deal with it because the beliefs may be way deeper. There may be other fear of existential crisis coming in, fear of death just as a whole. So, so corona comes with the day. So, thank you. On that note, unfortunately, we need to go to the news desk. Thank you so very much for joining us this evening. Yes. No, thank you. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Let's go on to Zolega Kotash in the newsroom.